morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. It's always a matter of finding the right time and the right place to, 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 to dive into some things. Uh, and so today just seemed fitting because uh, next week we're going to begin to stir towards our outreach, toward the, uh, the, the uh, fall outreach thing and just kind of gearing up into a series that we're doing. And so you don't want to miss next week. In fact, our, our, our series is called Ghost Stories. And so you don't want to miss that. You say, you're going to be talking about ghost stories? Well, not those kind of ghost stories. So just come on around and you'll find out what that looks like. So, But anyways, as I said, I've been wanting to to address this topic for some time, and one of the things that is a mission statement for GVC is that we desire to to equip passionate followers of Christ that will change the landscape of a community and change the landscape of a world. And if you didn't realize that God has commissioned the body of Christ to be the individuals that change the landscape of a community, of a nation, of a world for the better. God has commissioned us as people to be the change agents to bring about righteousness and therefore touching people's lives and introducing them to God. And so this morning, the title of our message is The State of a Nation. And I want to talk about some things that are really in the headlines of of current affairs. And if you didn't know thus far, in November, just a few weeks away, November 6th, it is election day. And it's a day that you're going to be asked to vote, and you're going to be asked to express your voice. And the election that we're facing in this day, in this time, is extremely critical. It's a crucial time in which we're living. Now, some would say, well, why should I even care about those kind of things? In fact, maybe you're saying, you know, I really don't care about that. It's just I turn a deaf ear. Or maybe you would even ask the question to say, why are we even talking about that in church? And the interesting thing when it comes to talking about these things, individuals have this mentality or this ideal that when we talk about the government, talk about the nation, talk about politics, that that has no place within the body of Christ and no place within the church. But you've got to understand something. It does have place. It does have necessity for us to be able to discuss these things and have an understanding of what God's desire is concerning the matter. Because you realize that when you vote, when we vote as a nation, our vote is the expression of the voice of a people. And the voice of the people express the heart of a nation. It's the heart of a nation of whether or not we are a people that have a living faith or we're a people that live by our flesh that confess to have a faith. Let me say that again. There is a difference between people that have a living faith and live according to their faith, or it is a people that live by their flesh and can confess and even have a heart to say, I love God, but don't understand the significance and the place that our voice plays in this nation and in this world because our voice matters. And when I say our voice, I'm speaking of we, the people of God, we, the church. 
And oftentimes when we don't understand these things, it's really just because it's a lack of knowledge. We don't really realize what God has to say about it. We don't realize that God has an opinion and has a desire. And He actually wants us to understand His position in His heart concerning the state of a nation. Amen? In fact, we see over here in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Because we see that God has always had a heart and had a desire to be invested and to be involved with the nations of the world. And 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says this. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now notice what it says at the very end. He says, I will heal their land. Who is there? The people of God that he began to speak about. He says, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face, humble themselves, turn from their ways, I will heal their land. So it denotes that there are two kinds of people. There are people of God. There are people that are seeking God's face. And then there are people that are not. And it says, my people, my children, my people that have a heart to know me and seek me and serve me, if those people will seek me, I will heal a nation. So do you realize that the entire nation is not serving God right now? In fact, there's a good majority of them that don't. But the Bible says that we, as a people that have a heart to serve God, seek God, can heal this nation by us pursuing God. So everybody is a benefactory of our hearts and our desire to seek God. Does that make sense? I've often said this before, and I pray it every morning. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus for our schools that our children go to. And so, therefore, because I pray for my kids that are godly kids, that entire school system is protected because of my kids being there. Amen? So the same thing is applicable to a nation that is affected by the hearts of believers that are saying, I want to seek God, and I want to seek God's heart in the matter. And God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, I will heal their land. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, if God is going to do anything within this nation, He's going to do it through His body, which is His church. Come on, church, you got to realize that your voice is God's expression in the earth. And if you don't know His heart, you don't know how to express yourself or make your voice count in critical times in which we're living in. God's desire is that we would serve Him and that He would be our God. God's desire has always been that He would lead His people and lead a nation. And make no mistake that this nation is a Christian nation. There are many that will refute that, many that will say that is not so. But this country was founded on Christian values. It was founded on biblical principles. And therefore, it was a people that said we wanted to worship our God and not be dictated to by a government or a political regime that says we have to worship this way. Now understand the difference. They didn't say we want political freedoms to worship any God that we want to. We want to worship 
our God, Jehovah God. And we don't want you to dictate as to how we will worship. We want to be free to worship our God the way that we desire. Amen? And that was the basis by which this country was founded. Now, as we look back in history of God's people, we see over in 1 Kings, it says that God's people began to look around and identified themselves as to those two different groups of people. Remember, we said there are two groups of people. There are those people that are serving and seeking and following God, and there are those that are not. In fact, it was God's people or the nations. And so God's people began to look around, and they said, God, we want a king. And God said, listen, that's not my desire for you. My desire is that you would let me lead you, let me rule you, let me bless you, let me be your God. And the people says, no, we want to be like other nations, and we want a king. Isn't it interesting that the people of God says they're looking to the nations, those that are not serving God, and we want to be like them. Does that not sound like the modern culture of today that looks to those people that are not serving God, that don't follow after God, but we allow their lives to set the standard for how we live and what we expect. And God says, well, it's not my perfect will, but I love you and I'll, I'll give you what you want. The Bible says that they were in agreement and wanting a king. And so God gave them a king. He gave them King Saul. And King Saul began by having a heart to serve God and be led by God. But then we see that his pride got in the way. And it led to the fall of a nation. Because pride comes before the fall. Amen? But here's what you've got to understand as well. That God is always working on behalf of his people. We see that even though Saul was in a position of being king, that he failed to begin to follow God or failed following God anymore, that God was beginning to prepare the plan to restore man once again. We see that he called Samuel and says, I need you to anoint the next king. And if you recall the story, the Bible says that he found David and God says, David is the one. Anoint him as king. They say that David was roughly between the ages of 10 and 15 years of age. And he was anointed to be king. It wasn't until nearly 20 years later that David would become king. Now here's what I want to submit to you. And we'll come back to that if we've got time. But the time that David was anointed as king, he was not aware of what he was being anointed for. Again, I'll come back to that if I can, but hold on to those words. He was a young boy. He didn't have the capacity to understand the weight of what being anointed as king was. Nor did he understand the heart of God for anointing him. When he was anointed to be king just as a little child, he was unaware of God's plan or what he was being anointed for. Amen? So, when it comes to you and I as the church, when it comes to you and I as the body of Christ... We've got to understand that there's some significance. And as I said before, we've got to understand that our voice is, or I should say, our vote is our voice. I'll say that again. Our vote is our voice. 
When you check the ballot box, when you go there and say, this is what I am purposing to vote for, or if you choose not to vote, your vote is still your voice. And 2 Timothy says this. It says that our voice steers the direction of our life. So if the body of Christ, God's people, make their voice heard, it begins to steer the direction, not only of God's people, but of a nation. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, whatever you say, that you shall have. So if our vote is our voice and we collectively come together as a nation and as a people, God says, I will give you your heart's desire. But the question is, is what do we desire? What is it that we're seeking after? When you make your voice heard through your vote, what is it that you're voting for? Are you looking to the other nations and saying, that's what we want? Are you saying, God, our desire is to know you and to serve you and let you lead us? Just like the people of Israel, we said that the majority of them got together and says, we want to be like other nations and we want a king. And so therefore, God gave them what they wanted. God will give us what we want. The question is, is do we want God to give us a nation that is led by God or are we wanting to be a nation that is led by man? Are we wanting to adhere to and allow God to direct and to lead and to provide? Or do we want to be like other nations? As we look in the Old Testament, we see that there were two groups of people. There were those that had a heart to follow God and those that chose not to. When we look at our political system today... We see two sides. We see that there's two different groups of people. Those that recognize God and those that don't. There are two different platforms. Our country is divided into two different platforms. Now what does that look like? One side is conservative or has conservative values. The other has liberal values. One side upholds Christian values. One platform is endeavoring to eradicate any form of Christianity in this nation. One side is desire is to be small government where they have as little interaction in your life and allow you to live a life of independence and seeking God for yourself, or there is, <clears throat> there is a platform that wants to be big government and desires for you to be reliant upon them. Now again, I know that this is one of those things that might rub some of our own personal convictions. But what I'm conveying to you today and what I'm hoping is that we will walk away from today at least being educated as to God's heart in this vote and the critical nature of a nation. I said there's two different groups of individuals. Do you realize that God never desired for the nation to be taken care of and provided for by a king or by a government? God says, I want to be your God. I will supply all of your needs Amen? What, is, what happens when a people become dependent upon a government? They become enslaved to a government. 
and they become handicapped in their pursuit of having faith in a God when all I have to do is have faith in a nation. Amen? I heard one political expert say this. When I say expert, he's one of those guys on the mainstream media that is a history buff, history theologian, if you will. And one of the things that he said is that, yes, we're in a difficult time in our nation. He said, but this isn't really that bad. He says, we've been through worse times as a nation. And he began to list different things that were really huge issues within our nation. But he began to downplay what is going on right now. Well, here's one of the things that God would have us understand. There is a spiritual undertone and there is a spiritual current within our nation. It is not what you see played out in the media. It is not what you see through personalities. There is an undercurrent that is leading in a different direction. And therefore, if you don't clue into it, don't have spiritual discernment, you'll buy into all the jargon that people are telling you, whether it's on the right or the left, and you'll buy a hook, line, and sinker. And I don't know if you listen to any of the, the media, whether it's conservative talk or whether it's liberal talk. Some of the times when I listen to them, I'm thinking it is so ridiculous that you're even talking about that. I mean, it's a hangnail and you're making it a political issue. And when I say hangnail, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but I'm talking about just something as simple as a literal hangnail. I mean, they can't talk about anything else, so we'll pull something out of the air and make it an issue. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you really? It must be a slow news day that you're going there today. And it's just ignorant. And I'm thinking, people that have common sense, like I said, right or left, just common sense you can discern and think, dear God, that is one of the most stupid things that I've ever heard. But people will buy it hook, line, and sinker without using a spiritual compass to discern what is being said. So, the times that we're in, I said, are extremely critical. Why is it? Because what we see being played out before us today in this nation is the writing on the wall. It is the, the, the still before the storm. And Jesus himself began to tell us what to look for just before Jesus comes back. So, I mean, this is an extremely critical time. It's an, an extremely turbulent time within our nation. But it is also a great time for the harvest, meaning that people need to know Jesus. And we are God's voice because God said, I'm about ready to come real soon because this is what you'll see just before I come. We see over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, in verse 7. Now, listen to these words. Jesus is telling his disciples, this is what you need to look for before I come back. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And then shall, and then shall many be offended. That's not today, is it? And many shall be offended, and they shall betray one another. And they shall hate one another. I mean, isn't that what we see played out in the media today? I mean, it is, it's not just 
platform against platform. It's not just opinion against opinion. It is the nation itself against itself. And the Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Unless the body of Christ stands up and makes their voice heard, there is a great fall that is coming, and we, the church, will be to fault if we don't make our voice heard. He says, nation will be against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. What's the kingdom? Listen, I said that there is a spiritual undercurrent that is behind everything that we see. It's the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. It says, many shall be offended. Man, all you have to do is look at somebody cross-eyed and they're offended, aren't they? I mean, you can disagree without being disagreeable, but that's, that's all out the window today's society. I mean, they punch you in the face just because you wear, wear a red cap. Where are you wearing that red cap for? Just, it's a red cap. I don't like you wearing that red cap. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy that there's this offense, that they betray one another. And it's gotten to the point where it's not just a part of agreeing to disagree. It's coming to a place where we literally hate one another. Amen? And Jesus said, this is what you'll see before me coming. I mean, the door is starting to open. The time is coming in a place where we're ready to go home. But are we just going to sit back and let it go to hell in a handbasket? Or are we going to go down fighting and be the glorious church that he's coming back for? In Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 25, it says, There shall be signs. Once again, Jesus saying, look for these things. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Come on. Just in the last couple years, the moon has been a sign. The sun has been a sign. The stars have been signs of His coming. The earth distressed of nations with perplexity. The seas and the waves roaring. We just had a great big hurricane come through Florida just a few days ago. Verse 26, men's hearts will fail, fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. He says, listen, I'm coming soon. Man, I don't know if that scares you or if that gets you happy. I've come to the place in my life where I'm ready. There was a time in my life where I'm like, God, don't come yet. Don't come yet. I don't know if I'm ready yet. Or there's times in my life where I'm like, God, I want to get married. God, I want to have kids. I've experienced all that. I'm right with Jesus. And if Jesus wants to come after I got done preaching this message, <laughs> let's go. I'm ready. I mean, I'll raise my kids in heaven. Oh, come on, man. Sitting there next to the crystal sea talking to Jesus, walking with Peter, seeing Moses. Moses comes up beside my kids as we're fishing, and he's sitting next to him, and he parts the sea. He's like, come on, Moses. You know, we, <laughs> we need to fish here. <laughs> come on, man. I'm telling you, I'm ready to go home. But we see that there is a battle that is going on, and this battle is not political personalities it is literally light versus darkness it is righteousness versus unrighteousness and if all you do is buy into the jargon and the hype all you'll see is personality and men versus the heart of God here's what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 14 Proverbs 14 verse 34 righteousness exalts 
a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. What did he say exalts a nation? It's righteousness. If you want our nation to exalt, be exalted, and to excel, then we, the body of Christ, have to lift up and uphold righteousness. And God says, when you do that, I'll back you up. I'll heal your land because my people who are called by my name are upholding righteousness. Amen? Number three, what are we voting for? See, our desire is to seek out righteousness, to seek the heart of God and literally be the voice of God in this land that gives him the access to move on behalf of his people. But what are we voting for? Number one, we're voting for a new governor. Now, I'm not going to list all the things I need you and desire for you to be educated and know what you're purposing to vote on here. One of the things is a new governor. What's a governor? A governor is simply the president of a state. Just very simply put, the highest office of leadership within the state. So you're not voting on a man or a woman You're voting in a platform. Listen to what I'm saying. You are not voting in a person, personality, or a man or woman. When you make your voice for an individual, you are voting for the platform that you are exalting to that highest level of legislation within our state. You tracking with me? Now listen to this statement. I want you to hear it correctly because if you hear it incorrectly, you'll think I'm saying something that I'm not. Policy of a platform is more important than the character of the person. Listen to what I'm saying. The policy of the platform that you're voting is more important than the character of the person. What does that mean? Not everybody's perfect. You look close enough, you're going to find skeletons in my closet. David was a man after God's own heart that was anointed by God. But did you know that David was a murderer and he was an adulterer? Well, impeach that guy. I said the platform is more important than the character of the person. Because the character of the person or the personality is just one part of it. And they can do nothing in and of themselves. But it's the platform and the policies that begin to change things. Secondly, we have a Senate seat that's open. Their voice represents the people. Therefore, they'll govern and support the policies based upon the platform. Number three, we're voting in judges. There are judges that are being up for election. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 26 says, Righteousness of a land is determined by its judges. Let me say that again. Righteousness of a land is determined by its judges. So listen to this. It was not legislation that took the Ten Commandments out of school. It was judges. It was not legislations or platforms that took prayer out of school. It was judges. It was not legislation that made abortion on demand legal. It was judges. 
It was not legislation that made gay marriage legal. It was judges. Now, I know even making those statements, that can be offensive. Because we're all from all kinds of different backgrounds. Here's something that we've got to understand. God commands us to love people. To address what I just did did is not to be unloving or uncaring for people. Does that make sense? I can love you and love you with the love of God, but not support the lifestyle. Understand that. I can love you to your face. I can hug you, care about you, be friends with you, but I don't have to necessarily agree. Does that make sense? So don't hear that as saying, oh, well, now we're getting into the hate talk. It's not about hating. It's about understanding the heart of God concerning the direction of a nation. Does that make sense? So when I look at the legislation that I'm electing for, or I should say it this way, so when I look to the legislation that I'm getting ready to elect, my question should be, what kind of judges will you put into office? Because they'll set the course in the direction of a nation. I don't know if you've seen this in the news as of late. It's been over in the last couple years, I think it is, but we've got some friends up in the Midland area. And there was this, it actually went to the Supreme Court. There was a woman that went into Planet Fitness, and when she went into the locker room, there is a man that is changing in the locker room. She comes out and she complains about it and says there's a man that's changing in the locker room. And they said, well, he identifies as a woman. She said, I don't care if he identifies as a woman. I'm a woman, and I don't want a man in the locker room changing or me changing in front of them. Furthermore, I don't want my daughters to have to be subject to this. They kicked her out and revoked her membership because she took a stand for morality. A local judge said it was prejudiced and he threw it out of court in the favor of the man that identified with the woman. They took it to the Supreme Court and overturned it. Now listen, that's not being hateful. I can love you face to face, but if you go in the locker room with my little girls while they're taking their clothes off and you're standing there, I'll beat the fire out of you. And I'll say a prayer for you as well that you make it. You get me? Got awful quiet. You say, well, man, you're a preacher. Listen, if you're going to be goofy and my children are at the risk of it, you got to answer to me. Listen to this. I, 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 I forgot to pull the statistic exactly, but I think they are saying that there are now 153 identifications of gender. How? Woman. Man, <laughs> woman, man, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? It's not hard. But yet, there is this goofiness of 153 genders. I don't know how in the world you do that. Do you realize that with the relaxing of our legislation and the platforms there is coming and it's already being pushed in, in legislation now that they're going to say, well, if I can identify as a woman and it's okay, then that means that I can identify myself as a, as a pedophile and it's okay. And if we don't 
put in place the right people, that stuff will get passed through because we don't make our voice heard. And who's at fault? The church. Who's the one that pays the price? Our children and future generations. As I said, I could talk more about that, and, or, or there is more we could talk about, but for the sake of time, we'll move on. There's also universities, leaders within universities. These are a little bit more difficult, but once again, the educational system is pushing an agenda. I said it's pushing an agenda. Mainstream universities are pushing socialism within this young generation. 58% of millennials say that they favor socialism. It's simply because they don't know what it is. And they're buying the jargon of what they're being force-fed. Listen to this. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford, all Ivy League schools were once Christian-based schools that trained up ministers to spread the gospel. Now they are the most liberal organizations that are promoting an agenda to remove God from a nation. Amen? Are you doing okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now that's real blind to begin with. But the word kingdom isn't seeking the kingdom of God. When you study that out, that word actually means system. The word righteousness is a little vague because you realize that if you're in Christ, you are righteous. So why would Jesus say, seek righteousness when you're already righteous? The word righteousness actually means rightness. So this is what Jesus is saying. Seek the system of rightness with God and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, when you seek my system of the right way of doing things, I will be the God that I said I would be and I'll take care of all your needs and be the supplier and the one that was the one I said that I was going to be in your life because of following the heart of God. Your vote is not for a man or a woman. Your vote is not a personality. Your vote is a platform. I said your vote is a platform. When you vote for somebody that represents a platform, you support the whole platform. You say, well, I'm not necessarily in favor of this or that. If you vote for the person that represents the platform, you endorse it. I said you endorse it. Your vote is your voice. Here's what the scripture says. Jesus said that you're justified or you're condemned by your words. Your vote is your voice. Your voice is your words. You are judged according to every idle word that comes out of your mouth. Solomon said that we're snared by our words. And the fruit that we're reaping today is the fruit of words sown yesterday. Your voice is represented in your vote. So when you go to the ballot box, make your voice heard for God. 
Now, if your vote is based upon money, well, they promise that we'll live better. God said, I'll supply your needs. God also said, you can't serve God and mammon. You'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Don't let money, income, be the root of your vote. Let your convictions of seeing God be God and heal a nation. Well, I don't like the personality. I don't care about the personality. What does the platform that they represent stand for? Amen. I've went longer than I've intended on on that subject. Actually, I thought it was going to be shorter today, but it went a little bit longer. There's so much more that I could talk about. Maybe we'll, we will next week. Well, maybe there won't be anybody here next week after today. I don't know. Did you hear my heart? And furthermore, I, I don't want you to hear my opinion. I want you to hear the heart of God through the Scripture and to the significance of who you are and the accountability that you and I have as His church. Righteousness exalts a nation. If you want to see the landscape of this nation, this community, your family exalted, exalt righteousness. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person here this morning. I pray that, Lord, this message was not one to offend. It was not one to take political sides. It was one to stand with you and to stand for righteousness. Because, God, you desire to heal our nation and to heal our people. And so, God, I hope that you were heard, your word was expressed, and therefore it has the ability to cause us to avail ourselves to walk by faith and not by sight. And to trust you in this election, knowing that our voice represents you. And so for that, Lord, we thank you and we count it an honor and a privilege to speak for you on behalf of you. In Jesus' name. And we all said... Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.